Thank you for listening to the First Christian Church Sunday Sermon Podcast. Here you will be able to listen to all of our Sunday morning sermons. Be sure to hit the subscribe or follow button so you don't miss a sermon. Enjoy today's message. Do you feel lucky? Do you feel lucky? I want you to take a moment and answer that question within yourself. So I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. Do you feel lucky? I will tell you, when I was asked this question, I said, absolutely, I feel lucky. Now, I hedged my bet by not asking you, because we're in church today, do you feel blessed? And you would be obligated to say, let's try that again. Do you feel blessed? Much better. But do you really feel lucky? And what they found statistically and with research, that the answer to that question either opens up opportunities, allows you to persist in difficulty, and overcome obstacles. But if you don't feel lucky then it takes opportunities away, you become fixed, and transformation doesn't occur. And if you think about it, it really is your choice whether you feel lucky or not. Now, we're in a family series right now. I called it All in the Family. And if you're joining us online, this is the third week in our series. And if you're joining us today, this is the third week in our series, and we're promoting our podcast so that you can hear the first two weeks of the series. And the first week was about family and marriage. And last week we were talking, wait a second, being all in the family, and last week we were talking about marriage, and this week we're going to talk about siblings in relationship to that. And and I want to welcome you as a part of our church family online to our worship service and presence, but I also want to encourage you because there are some fellow online worshipers that actually came to church today because their online preacher said that they needed to be engaged in the body. And I would encourage you, if you possibly can physically, to be involved in the body, in the church, and join a life group or an adult Bible fellowship class this fall, I would encourage you to do that because it is a vital part of your relationship with Christ. And I'm saying that to you physically present with us now. Please, please take that opportunity. But today we're going to talk about someone who you might not think of as being very lucky. In fact, you might think he might have been the most unlucky person in all the Bible. And his name would be Joseph. And I preached about Joseph before. And if you're looking in your Bibles, we're going to be looking at Genesis chapter 37 through 50 today. Chapter 37 through 50. And no, I'm not going to go verse by verse through this uh, 13 chapters. Now, I want some audience participation, and if you're online, you choose which side. If there are two people, you pick or choose whoever is uh, on the north side of your viewing audience, you be right, and the other uh, of them be left. And for you to be in our 
physical present audience, our congregation today, you who are on the right side, down the middle, on this side, I want you to say, that's good. good. Let's try that one more time. That's good. All right. For you that are on the left side, and this is going to be confusing because good for me is on my left and that's bad for me is on my right, but it'll be easy for you because you're on the left. So after me, that's bad. Let's try that again. That's pretty good, but... All right. So I'm going to give you a little background in this passage of Scripture that we're talking about. We've got to realize that Abraham, father of Islam, father of Judaism, father of Christianity, had a son. His name was Isaac. Isaac had married Rebekah, and they had two sons, Jacob and Esau. Isaac had a favorite son. His name was Esau, and that is... And Rebekah had a favorite son, and his name was... Isaac, and that was... Bad. Nothing's been good so far. So we go on in the story, and... Jacob gets married to, to Rachel, and actually he married Leah, Rachel's sister, and he didn't know he was marrying Leah, and that's a long story, you have to read your Bible about that, and that's, and so then he married Rachel, (laughs) Balcony, are you even participating up there? Okay, hey, just because there's a sea of glass between us doesn't mean that you can't participate in this. I'm not left you out. So, so, Jacob had four wives and only balcony floor. That's bad. Stay silent because I want to see if the upstairs is even paying attention. All right. So, Jacob had four wives. But that also, balcony on the other side... That also could be, depending on how you look at it. <laughs> I've not been confused so far yet. So, Jacob with his four wives have ten children. <laughs> Well, when you ask for audience response, you just have to be prepared. That can be bad and thank you. Hey, I'm not prejudiced against large families. The bigger your family is, the better the youth ministry and children's ministry is around here. Pad those numbers. Slave labor. Slave labor, too. If you're on a farm, own your own business, more kids. So, the ninth out of the tenth child was Joseph. And Joseph, we're going to look at three snapshots today of his life. And you probably know the story, but look at Genesis chapter 37, verse 3. It says, and Jacob's name was changed to Israel 
because Jacob, actually the name means deceiver, and Israel was a change to define him in relationship to God and his family. And it says, now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his sons. That's bad, because he was a son of his old age. Thank you. And he made him a robe of many colors. Right. Because he is showing so much favoritism. And folks, when we show favoritism in our family like that, it creates sibling rivalry. And that's bad. First snapshot is sibling relationships can be complicated. You probably don't know this about me, and I don't talk about my siblings much, and it's kind of dangerous because my parents always join us online. So I got... Thank you. (laughs) And that's... Not... Mom, Dad, I love you. But I'm, I'm first born of four. And uh, there's 15 years between myself and my youngest brother. I have a a brother three years younger than me, and we were kind of raised together. And then I have a sister, you probably didn't know that, 11 years younger than me. And then I have another brother 15 years younger than me. And so there are three boys and one girl in our family. And it was fascinating how we were raised. And I think my brother and I got the best part of our parents and the strongest part of their discipline. But my other siblings, mom and dad, don't mean, I'm just telling the truth. They were kind of, they kind of thought, well, Chris and Russ did okay, so they'll do okay and farewell. And, and it was, they were a little bit more challenging. I'll just say that. And so in sibling relationships, you can be born and be in the same family, and you may not be the same. And in fact, if you know anything about me, I have siblings that are the exact opposite of me in every opinion every thought, every action in my life. And, and it is a challenge to have a relationship because it is very, very complicated. Just like in our nation, there's a division, and, and, and to, to sit down and to have conversation at times is very, very difficult. And Joseph's family was like that. Imagine having four different mothers and four different family Systems gathering in one with the favoritism that was there. And so there was, I mean, it wasn't just sibling rivalry. There was downright hatred and bitterness and anger in the family. And in Genesis chapter 37, if you go, you fast forward through this, because of this favoritism, Joseph was sent out to the flock with his other brothers, and they saw him coming, and here's what they did. In verse 23, it says, So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the robe of many colors that he wore, and they took him and threw him into a pit, and the pit was empty. There was no water in it. And if if it weren't for the the oldest brother, Reuben, they would have killed him at that point. But we know the rest of the story that they sold him off into slavery. And and for some of us in our family relationships, and you can talk about in relationships in general, we feel like we've been thrown into a pit. Now, I'm going to say something to you, and I don't mean to offend you or to... What I want to say, underestimate or diminish the pit that you're in. But 
But let me say this, that some of us need to thank God for the pit in our lives. Those pits in our lives, that dark night of the soul. And if you've been alive, and if you've had very many years in your life, you probably have had some of those occur in your life, whether by choice or by accident or by randomness. They're going to be pits. But notice, Joseph trusted in God. That was his focus. And the power of trusting God empowers us to see beyond the pit. The pit is not an end. We go through the pit. And when we, we see this power, you guys jump, you jumped on me, the power of trust, trusting God, it, it is so important that we have hope and that we have faith in God and not in our circumstances. And what we've experienced the last couple of years would be evidence of that, that we have to persist in the pit. And, and it's in the pit, not the penthouse, where God prepares us for his purpose. Don't you love that alliteration? Pit, penthouse, prepare, purpose. That could be a sermon in a, and of itself. But that's the reality of our human situation. We live in a fallen world. Evil is present. And good people suffer in the pit. But that's not the end. And here are some questions that we need to ask ourselves. Is Will I allow pain to define me? Will I allow the pain I'm experiencing from my siblings or in my relationships to propel me toward my destiny. Because God has a destiny for you. Second, your siblings were not your choice, but how you treat your siblings is always your choice. Now, like I said, in extremes, we have to create conversation. We have to create dialogue. We need not to hold grudges or anger, or hatred. And Joseph did that. He spent 14 years working for Potiphar and, and in prison, and, and he did not become bitter. He did not hold a grudge. In fact, remember he, he had, or he, he interpreted dreams for the king's cupbearer and for his baker, and his interpretation turned out to be true. And then the cupbearer remembered Joseph when Pharaoh had his dream. And, and Joseph was called out of the prison be into the palace, another P, where he interpreted Pharaoh's dream. And Pharaoh said, hey, who is there amongst the whole country of Egypt who can, can do what this man did? So he elevated him to the second highest position outside of Pharaoh, who was number one to take care of Egypt. And when that famine came, when he interpreted that day, the seven years of plenty and the seven years of famine, and, and, and when that occurred, then Joseph's brothers showed up. Now, that was an opportune time for Joseph to get revenge. And if you remember, Joseph put them through a series of trials and tests. And they proved sorrowful and repentant. 
And this is where in Genesis chapter 45, verses 1 through 3, Joseph reveals himself to them. Because they didn't recognize him. They, they get left or gave him up for dead or for lost. So then Joseph could not control himself. He wept before all those who stood by him. He cried. Can you imagine a grown man, the second highest in Egypt? He said, make everyone go out from me. And so no one stayed with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And he wept aloud so that the Egyptian heard it. Can you feel the hurt and the pain that Joseph experienced in being rejected and hated by those that he was supposed to be closest to? And Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed at his presence. And then Joseph said to his brothers, Come near to me, please. And they came near, and he said, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. Now Joseph went through the pit, through the pain, through prison, through the palace, with all the wealth, everything that a man could want. And at the same time, he still saw God's purpose. And we've got to realize that it's actually in the pain that God often reveals his purpose. Jesus said this in John 16, 33. He said, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart. I have overcome the world. In this life, folks, we're going to have trouble. That's a guarantee. You just have to be alive. But Jesus says, take heart. I have overcome the world. In John 14, 27, he says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives. Do I give to you? Let your hearts be, let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. Then Jesus goes on and he says, what is our attitude to be in this in these relationships that are so complicated at times. Jesus says this in in Mark 12, 29, 31. He says, Jesus answered, the most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. So love them. But then, love God. But then he says, the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no Other commandment greater than these. What does love require of me? And Jesus says this about his disciples. He says in John 13, 35, and he's talking to us. He says this, by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Now there was a period of time in my life where I did not love one of my siblings. I did not I did not even want to talk about them. In fact, a lot of you don't even know that one existed. 
In fact, friends of mine that known me for years and years, I just don't talk. I just, we, we just don't go there. We just don't go there. But at the same time, God worked on my heart and can work on your heart to allow me to overcome some of the issues that I have and to love them. That doesn't mean everything's okay. That doesn't mean that we are in a trusting relationship, no. But that means I can love and I can overlook because of the grace of God that I've experienced. And I think you can if you allow God to work in your life as well. Because the power of choice allows us to treat those who have mistreated us with love and kindness. This is what Joseph was doing with his brothers. He was treating them with love and kindness before... Jesus ever, well, I can't say existed, but ever was born on earth. How did he do that? Somehow, he had grace and love at that time. And that brings us to the third point, which is a question. What if sibling pain was part of God's plan? What what, What if relational pain is part of God's plan in your life. What would that mean? In Genesis 50, 15, Jacob dies. The brothers are afraid that after their father's death, that Joseph will retaliate because they cannot believe the grace and the forgiveness and the love and the kindness that they received. Look in verse 15. It says, when Joseph Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead. They said, it may be that Joseph will hate us and pay us back for all the evil that we did to him. What do you hear there? I hear guilt. I hear them saying, if that were done to me, I would get even. And look at verse 16. So they sent the message to Joseph saying, Your father gave this command before he died. Say to Joseph, Please forgive the transgression of your brothers and their sin because they did evil to you. And now please forgive the transgression of the servants of the, of the God of your father. And Joseph, it broke his heart, wept when they spoke to him because they still didn't get it. His brothers also came and fell down before him and said, Behold, we are your servants. But Joseph said to them, Do not fear, for for am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear. I will provide for you and your little ones. Thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Isn't that unbelievable? That that someone who should have been so offended, so bitter, so grudge-holding, having the opportunity to get revenge and to retaliate, even to the point of killing them, comforts them in their distress and in their fear. What a turnaround in the story. And this is before Jesus died and we received his grace. Unbelievable. God has a plan and he uses the worst for his best. 
Folks, if you're going through the pit, if you're going through the pain, if you want to hold a grudge, and if you're bitter, continue walking with God through this by His grace and for His glory. You see, the power of forgiveness enables us to not hold grudges and become a bitter person. One of the most distressing things for me as a pastor is to see old, angry, bitter Christians. That's an oxymoron, isn't it? God is working in you. And He wants to take you from the pit through the pain to the palace, to a place where you can minister to those that have harmed you and mistreated you. That doesn't mean it's okay. We're not endorsing that at all. The question is, do you feel lucky or not? Will you please stand as I pray? God and Father, we are grateful for the work that you do, for the love that you have for every one of us. That, Father, that you have purpose in our lives, that you desire us to have a destiny, that not to become angry, bitter, unforgiving, grudge-holding people, but to be loving and forgiving and gracious and kind as you are to us. And Father, for those that think they're too far away, or have done too much against you, that have no hope, that that are in the pain and in the pit right now. Father, I pray that you give them grace to see beyond that, that they can trust in you as their source, as their grace-giving, forgiving God that never leaves them, never fails them, never forsakes them, that you are, are our Father, and that, Father, you are always for them. Father, I just pray that those that don't know you as God and Father would know you as your child today. And Father, for those that, Father, have been hurt in so many different ways, Lord, I pray for healing and help. That whatever's occurred is not okay. That, Father, but that you would minister to them through your Holy Spirit for healing and peace and grace in their lives to make them whole. Father, we just pray this all in Jesus' name.